0: This is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. God is good, amen. Amen all the time. All the time, my God is good. I hope you had a blessed week this week, church. And if you have not had a blessed week, Maybe you had a, a tiresome week, a troubling week, you're in the right place. You're in the place where you can be replenished by the Spirit of God. When we say, God, I need less of me and I need more of you. That's what we do when we come here into the presence of God. We're saying, God, fill me, like that song said, fill me. Fill me with more of you and less of me. Amen? Amen. This morning, we have a very special treat uh, and he's, he's no stranger to, to Numa Church. He's been here many, many times. A really good friend of mine. He used to live here in Houston. Um, and now now uh, now he lives in, in Florida, which is kind of like another Texas. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we're, we're blessed every time by his ministry, by the ministry of his wife. Um, I mean, he just comes and, and he speaks uh, to our to our, 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 family. And so that's what he's going to do here this morning. He's going to talk about something very, very, uh, important. Um, and, uh, and you got three books here, bro, man, prolific author, brother evangelist. And let me, let me just tell, let me just tell you that there's some anointing in the room. You, so, so you remember last week when I was like, you know, we, we, we had a special service. Come as you are. I didn't wear my cool, my, my cool kicks like I'm wearing today. But I, I brought them because I wanted to show y'all. So I, I showed them to y'all. I was like, man, look at these new, new, new kicks that I just got. And come, come up here, bro. Look at this guy. Look, look, at, look at the Holy Spirit. This <laughs> It was a, like a size 30. Uh, <laughs> but praise God. I'm going to give it to, to my brother Tim. Help me welcome him this morning
1: hallelujah come on can we give god some praise in his house Mm. i don't know about y'all family but i'm so thankful that we serve a good god i'm thankful that we serve a god that his bible says that his mercies are renewed every morning amen So family, I am on an assignment today and as cheesy as this may sound, I've been telling people that I feel like I should be wearing scrubs because I believe there's an operation that's going to happen tonight, uh, this morning in Jesus name. And so, uh, so before I get into what I'm talking about, first and foremost, man, thanks. Shout out to, uh, the pastors here and the leadership here. Y'all are awesome. This is one of our absolute favorite places to be, uh, man, y'all have such a unique relevant vision for the kingdom. But I'm telling you, what y'all have here at Numa Church is not normal. And I'm telling you, y'all are pioneering something great. And it's absolutely incredible uh, to be a part of. My wife sends you her love. So speaking of my wife, my family got some pictures want to show you. Family, we we have grown since last time. And uh, there's my baby girl. Yes, her name is Brielle come on there's Hezekiah I know him the Blacksickin family uh who's looking awesome oh pause there for a second mm, hallelujah she's so fine y'all oh my gosh I first, uh, first time I saw her, I thought I was speaking in tongues, but I was just stuttering. She was just so fine right there. And so, but, 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 but anyways, and so uh, so family, um, uh, yes, we have a baby girl now. She just went to the doctor a couple of days ago, and uh, she is in the 80th percentile of both height and weight. And so she is a little chunky somebody. And so there's my family there. So family, we... We believe this. We believe, and we value. We truly believe that our first ministry is our family. I know that it sounds cheesy, I th- but I think it's so important that we no- all of us never overlook. And so, uh, this season we have been in, we have uh, believed it was very important for my wife and I, and my family, to be as transparent as we possibly can regarding the seasons and things that we went to. I believe that this this. Um, this notion where we act like we always have it all together, it caused more harm than good. I believe that everybody sitting in this place today, there's things that you're fighting through, things you're fighting for, things you believe in God for. And so a couple of years ago, we talked about how my wife got very ill, very, very sick. And, uh, you have to tell her a story. She shared about it last time she was here when she preached. And, um, and so from there, we, uh, after, right after I released my first book called Crowns Are to Than Trophies, and was talking about, uh, fam, uh, uh, trauma and crisis and breaking generational curses and everything of that nature, uh, we realized that, man, the enemy was trying his best to destroy what God is trying to do. And my wife would tell her that, tell me these stories when she was laid up on her deathbed and her sickbed. That she said, man, God, if if, if you would bring, I, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have started this ministry. I wish I would have done these houses of prayer. I, I wish I would have uh, done these upper room experiences. And so, but when God brought her out of that, she never lost sight of that. And so there's been so much ministry that we have been doing. She has been birthing and doing, and I'm so Proud of her, and so uh, so. With that, family, there's a lot of things we want to do, and we have a video uh, we want to show you uh, about uh, partnering with us to do what God is calling us to do.
2: Hello, church. My name is Malayama Came from TM mm, Ministries, mm, mm, mm. and I would like to take a few minutes and talk to you guys about our ministry. My husband and I have been able to travel for almost a decade. We've seen people get saved, healed, delivered, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we believe in this hour, we need more of the Holy Spirit than ever before. We also believe that this is the greatest time for the greatest harvest. So we need partners to come alongside us and help us to expand the kingdom of God. And here are two ways that you can partner with us. One way you can partner with us is through prayer. We need intercessors to come alongside us and pray so we can see a mightier move of God in this hour. We are praying for revival. We are praying for salvation. We are praying for God to set people free and we need people to partner with us in prayer. Another way you can partner with us is financially. We are believing God for a thousand partners to financially partner with us for $20 a month. That's it. That will enable us to be able to go into smaller places and be able to spread the gospel, to go into other countries, to be able to mentor people, and to do so much more than we could ever imagine. We are believing that God is expanding our territory when it comes to our ministry, and we need you to partner with us. If you want to become a monthly partner, there's easy ways for you to do that. One of the ways is going to our website at www.tmmonline.org slash donate you can go directly there and become a partner there whether it be monthly or a one-time gift also we have taxable giving which you can put all your information in there and it will take it out every single month of the date that you select super super simple if you want to become a partner that is two easy ways to do that Don't forget to subscribe for our monthly emails on our website. And also, we have Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to follow us there. And do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have Spotify and Apple Music. We have podcasts that you do not want to miss. God bless you guys, and we would love to hear from you. We would love to connect with you and pray with you.
1: Amen. Awesome. I, um, I once heard an evangelist say that it's the living water is free. The living water is free. It is a plumbing that costs money. And I can't stress to you how, how true that is. And so it is our heart that we will go to whatever place that God has for us. And so we love uh, the moments we get to partner with uh, churches uh, who may not have the finances uh, to, to bring us in, but we want to pay for ourselves, things of that nature. Uh, the gathering, which we just had a couple of weeks ago, uh, launched our first one. My wife has dreamed to uh, birth houses of prayer and uh, harp and bowl worship experiences around the nation. Oftentimes, we have to use, like, hotels and things of that nature. And that stuff costs money, family. Uh, anybody ever flew before? You flew, right? You know, those. You gotta, now you got to pay for everything, pay for a bag pay for a seat just in, like y'all know how much seat I need look lord have mercy right uh exit row that's $35 a pop per leg and so we spent $12,000 on seats and bags alone so you know what I'm saying this ministry to do full-time attendant ministry is expensive and that is why we need your help to take it to the next level we just brought in and hired our first staff and so family we we really do believe what god is going to do but we just definitely need y'all's help to do it anyways commercial is over There we go. Family. Um, I just released my, uh, my latest book is called use your jab. Um, and the subtitle is very simple fighting back depression. Now depression is a topic that I don't believe is talked about enough. For whatever reason, uh, the depression and anxiety are taboo topics in the Christian community. The way we approach it is solely from a spiritual aspect. Pray about it. Uh, uh, It's just the enemy, right? Uh, uh, You don't have enough faith. Or some Christian circles, the moment you tell somebody you're struggling with these issues, you're afraid to even speak up about it because you will be stamped demonic or there's something wrong with you. So it comes to a place where then people... Are, are are taught how to shout above it night to not to fight through it we will never tell a diabetic we will never tell a diabetic the, uh, 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 just to fake it till you make it. All right, if, I, if, you're di- if you have diabetes and you understand there's some things you have to do, okay, we talked to, told you to take some insulin, you want, all right, well, I'm going to take some insulin, there's a chemical imbalances, there's things that need to be addressed in my body, pancreas, whatever things that may happen, so you take insulin, no one bats an eye, you see a physician, uh, they, they check up on you, you, you find greater medical help, you give attention, you, you know, you got to give attention to your lifestyle, maybe you can't have, maybe you can't smash a whole box of Krispy Kreme donuts when the light's on, you know what I'm saying? Which is hard to do, family. Have you had a box of Krispy Kreme donuts when the lights on? Them jokers are, are fire, right? And so maybe you can't, maybe you can't have all the little debbies and little ho hos, and so you got to give attention to what you eat and things of nature, right? And so we understand, and at the same time, believing God for your healing, right? You're doing all these things, but well, we never bat an eye. But for whatever reason, in the conversation of depression and anxiety, and these things connected to that. We treat these issues not, that, not in that regard. So because of that there's people coming into church every single Sunday, putting on your Sunday's best, painting a smile over tears and cries. So today, family, I'm on an assignment. I'm on an assignment to sound an alarm. I'm on an assignment to shine the flashlight. I'm on an assignment for the individuals today where you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Where you know what it's like, where depression tucks you in at night. And anxiety is your alarm clock that wakes you up. You know what it is like to not feeling like you have a safe place to be real, a safe place to be vulnerable. I'm talking to the individuals where you're the first person to ask how everyone else is doing. You're the first person to send in a text message and check up on the one that is hurting. But sometimes you're the last person to ever get a text message asking how you are doing. I'm talking to the strong people today where people lean on you for advice and lean on you for guidance. But who do you lean on in your time of need? I'm talking to the people where you are just hurting but you're wondering where can you go because you are tired of seeing people victimized the moment they say that they're not perfect, the moment they have fighting through some things. Family, I'm tired of hearing people say, I didn't know it was that bad. A video we're going to share, quick video about this book this book because i'm frustrated disappointed and tired of seeing people crumble under the weight of depression deep sadness and anxiety on to hear others say just smile or don't think about it depression is an ugly monster whose claws are long and fangs are sharp hunting in isolation even while you are surrounded by crowds of people yet still feeling alone you must learn to be open about what you are facing and get the help you need But where do you go? Who do you tell? Where can you feel safe knowing that you won't be judged but help when you express how you feel? Maybe these are some of the questions you ponder that cycles in your mind that you use to write your permission slip to stay quiet. You keep telling yourself that you will figure it out alone. You wake up in the morning and give yourself a pep talk just to make it out of the house. You get in the parking lot of your place of work only to look in the rearview mirror to tell yourself that you can make it. Figuratively painting on a smile on your tired soul, striving to continue day by day. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We come before you, O God, not masquerading perfection. We come before you vulnerable about the issues we may be facing. So, God, we just ask that you do what is already in your heart to do. That you walk to and fro this sanctuary. You touch every broken heart. God, touch every person who's struggling and dealing with things and fighting through some things. Holy Spirit, I pray that only that you do what only you can do, that you will set captives free. God, we are asking for a move of God in this place. A move of God where no man can take credit. A move of God where, where 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 there are things that you have never that the people have never spoke to anybody else in public but you know about it in private God I pray that you fight through all the walls that's been built up the calluses that has grown with time God fight through the excuses and the fears oh God but that may you step and touch on that area that is sensitive but need to be restored Holy Spirit be the physician today and cut deep oh God, we ask you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Use your jab book and I have all these books in the back of the product table. But uh my uncle was a professional boxer. He was a pro boxer. Boxing is one of my absolute favorite sports. His boxer name was Jay Woody. He he boxed professionally, boxed George Foreman, and all of them. You can see his fights on YouTube. And so I love boxing. It's one of my favorite sports. Box is boxing, then it's basketball. Um, I was before COVID, I was I was training to fight masters, which is like the older Golden Gloves. Right. And so I'm a a southpaw boxer, heavyweight, obviously. And I just love boxing. And so I was my coach would always tell me, say, Timothy, stay behind the jab. And a jab is just a fundamental foundational. uh, uh, It's like it's what dribbling is to basketball. A jab is to boxing. All right. A jab is just that, that, that fundamental punch. Right. And it's used for a bunch of different things. It's used to create distance. It's used to set up shots. It's used to create angles. It's used to uh, it's used to figure out your player, uh, your opponent who you're fighting. Right. And so my coach would always tell me, Timothy, stay behind the jab, stay behind the jab, stay behind the jab. I'm six foot six. Right. And so if I'm fighting someone who's a little shorter than me or or whatnot, uh, if I can hit them before they can ever hit me. But if they if they get past my reach, then then my jab don't mean anything. And so the, the use your jab is making sure that what you're fighting on the outside of you does not get on the inside of you. We're gonna fit. In a, we're finna talk about some things this morning, family. And so we may not have church, but we're about to have some healing. Listen, we, you may not shout a lot, but I'm believing God's gonna cut. God's gonna do some surgery. Amen. And so, um, I, in this book, I categorize depression in four different categories. I talk about circumstantial, crisis slash trauma, spiritual, and lastly, chemical. Chemical has to do deal with um with chemical imbalances in your body. Right. And just same thing if insulin is an imbalance that needs to be addressed. Some people, they're dealing with depression or anxiety and there's predisposed to different issues where there na- may be maybe needs to be some chemical adjustments that need to happen, whether it's through medication, prescription or dietary changes or, or whatever the case may be. All right. And uh, um, so and you shouldn't feel bad or feel like something's wrong with you. You don't do all. Oh, you don't have enough faith. If, if that's the route that your physician tells you to go through. I do believe that it's okay to be filled with the Holy Ghost and still need a therapist. It's okay to love the Lord and still need a doctor. Amen? And so, and also talk about trauma. Uh, 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 the tra- trauma that happened to you uh, when you were younger, when you were older. Family, this affects the, our lives and such in such so much ways. Alright, I'm speeding through this because I've got to get to the word. And, um, and also talk about uh, circumstantial. Now, I'm the last one to tell y'all about how sudden circumstances can happen that can change on some, someone's life. Y'all just experienced the North Pole. I'm watching this in Florida, suffering. Never, let me not say the 70 degrees. A suffering. Uh, watching y'all getting straight up days after tomorrow, day after tomorrow movie pre sequel or whatever. I'm like, man, what in the world is going on? And I just I love just I love that saying Texas strong because it's so real, it's so true. Miss Valerie, Remy Valerie, dear family and friends to us, were sending us pictures, of people helping each other body out, and it's just so amazing. But those circumstances can really bring a lot of uh, 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 frustration and bring things back to back to issues. COVID, uh, these issues that happened this past year, last year, 2020, so happening today, people lost their jobs, lost businesses, things that, that outside of their control. Now they have the dealing with circumstances now arise. Now they're seeing a depression for the first time. They can't run away from it. They have to face it anyways, family. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of, uh, first Kings chapter 19, because I want you to see God's response. To somebody who is dealing with these issues. And again, while I'm preaching, it's very important. I want you to be very clear. I am not undermining or taking away from the power of the Holy Spirit. I am not saying that, that, that we don't need a move of God. I'm not saying that we don't need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that one touch from God can't change everything because it absolutely can. I'm not taking away from an encounter that can shift your life. We all know that God can do these things. But I also believe that we need to learn how to get, come into alignment with the deliverance that we're confessing and we're believing God for. So here we see a, an incredible portion of scripture about this man of God who is having his life on display that we can see. Elijah was somebody who, man, who, who God used in powerful ways. So right, hap, right before 1st uh, uh, King chapter 19, uh, there Elijah goes through this experience where he has these uh, prophets there. And he says, okay, whoever God rains down fire is the real God. All right. And so he lets the prophets of Baal goes first. And so they take the altar uh, they make the sacrifice and they're crying out to the idol God. But nothing is happening right day in and day out. They're cutting themselves with sharp stones and nothing has happened at all. Elijah then so, so, so certain, so cocky, so, so, so full of full of a certainty. He even makes fun of them. So maybe your God is not relieving himself. Right. He had so much certainty of what of who God is and what God can do in that time. Right and so and so obviously nothing happened. So then Elijah says, "All right, well, take the take the bowl and I want you to pour water on it. To pour a lot of water on it. Water. I'm country, y'all. Water on it. Okay. And um, how do y'all say water here? Why? y'all speak proper English. Thank you. And um and so uh, water. Put a bunch of water on it and over and over again. And he cried out to God. Boom. And, and fire consumed the altar. Right. And so Elijah. Right in that moment, he goes from this high spiritual moment, but he's about to see a shift in his life. Some of this, what I'm talking about may not make sense to some of you, but others of you know exactly what Elijah's feeling. You know what it's like to go on a high emotional experience on one moment. Then hear some news or something happen that brings you through the depths and the pits of despair and suddenly of a moment. Here, Elijah, he's he and we get the uh, first Kings chapter 19. Elijah, it says Ahab told Elijah everything Elijah had done. I'm sorry. Now Ahab told Jezebel, sorry, everything Elijah had done had, and how he had killed all the prophets of Baal by the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. I'm talking about a threat. She said thug life. Listen, and so, uh, and so here's Elijah, man of God. Full of faith, full of certainty, just had that experience. Verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life when he came to Beersheba and Judah. He left his servant there while he, went, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a burn, a burn bush, sat down under, under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lied down under the bush and fell asleep. At once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread, uh, was some uh, Texas Roadhouse rolls. Amen. Some, some, hallelujah. Uh, Some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. And he he ate and drank and lied down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he he got up, ate and drank. Strengthened by the food. Mm strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached uh, the mountain of God. A couple of things I want you to see. Allow me to take the scenic route. First, you got to realize that the word of God has individuals who are real people. They're not fictional characters. They're real people who went through real things, who had real emotions, who had real struggles, had real problems, but encountered a real God. But, so what I want you to see, the very first thing Elijah did when, when he... When he experienced this, this, this circumstantial news that so rocked him, the very first thing he did was self-isolate. Elijah was afraid, ran forth, like the Bible says, he left his servant there. He left the servant, he left the community, the people around him. He isolated himself and he went a day's journey into the wilderness he, he, the very first day, he did, I don't want to talk to nobody, I don't want to see nobody, he, he was just left alone with his thoughts, left alone with his fear, left alone with his anxiety. Some of you know what it's like some, when you're going through these motions and you're going through this experience, when you're feeling these things, you want to talk to nobody. You, 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 you don't know, sometimes you don't know who to talk to. You're afraid, you're afraid to address the, no, the question, how are you doing and really mean it? Because you're afraid that that will be the thread that caused all your emotions to trump. To, to, to you're afraid that'll be the dam that breaks that, 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 the, the question that breaks the dam. They'll cause all the emotions to flood. Elijah self-isolated himself and he was only alone with his thoughts. He removed himself from his community. He removed himself from the people who could encourage him who could, have, who could have at that moment spoke life into him, but he wouldn't talk to nobody. What a second thing that happened is that while he was alone by himself in a day's journey to the wilderness, he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He might die. Again, like I said, this may not be a service where we hoop and holler. This may not be a service where we can say we had church. Believe I'm on assignment because this is exactly how some of you have been feeling. Man, God, I've had enough. I had enough, God. I can't do this anymore. Fathers, the weight on your shoulders, men, the weight on your shoulders. God, I can't do this anymore. If we're not careful, Sunday morning worship experiences can become a fix, like a heroin addict, just to, just to uh, 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 help us not to feel the weight of our moments, knowing that we have to confront at the moment we leave the thresholds of this sanctuary. Mamas, women, you know, maybe it's maybe maybe this is you where you just, man, God, I've just had enough. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't take this anymore. He prayed. He Elijah prayed that he might die. He said he had enough. He said, God, take my life, take my life. Uh, while studying and writing this book, um, use your job. I learned about something called smiling depression, which sometimes I believe could be. More dangerous because just like hypertension is called the silent killer, someone could have this no one ever will know. That's why I would say check up on your strong friends, check up on the one who always laughs wants you to laugh the most. Check up on check up on Robin Williams someone prime example. These are the moments where I have to go to these funerals. Hearing parents and siblings and friends who did life with them, worshiped right beside them, say that I didn't know it was that bad. Maybe maybe, maybe that is you today where you've been experiencing these motions, these feelings, these deep, dark uh, uh, tunnels of depression and anxiety and worry. And at at night, these are the thoughts that you have. God, take my life. I don't want to do this anymore. I've had enough, God. I'm at the end of myself. I am tired of this. And it's not that you're not grateful for the blessings in your life. It's just living can be hard. But I want you to see, this is super important. I want you to see God's response to Elijah. Notice not a single time as Elijah was speaking about the reality of his life, did God rebuke him. Not a single time. Let me tell you why I'm talking about this. Because I believe that we have adopted a dangerous model in the church community. And it's something that I believe is true on one end, but and if we're not careful, we could pull it, we could go on the on the toxic uh, swing of a pendulum. Let me tell you, we have been taught to hold fast the confession of our tongue. We have been taught, oh, don't, don't, don't speak that out. Don't, don't, don't say that. You're going to give life into it. So what happens is this. And again, I understand the death and life, the power of our tongue. Listen, declaring... And speaking are not the same thing. Get this family, please. Declaring and speaking—I'm going to be—I'm be broke all my life. That's declaring. You, bump that. Oh, this how it's all. That's that's declaring. That you are prophesying or prophylying into your own life and existence. Oh, you always going to be. Anyways, that's another sermon. But uh, so, anyway, so, but notice why this is super important because maybe you have thought that it is wrong for you to speak up and to speak out about how you are feeling because then you will give life into it. So, thus, you are taught that silence is the answer. You are taught, you learned how to cope instead of conquer, you learned how to ignore and think that's what faith is. Those who are watching online, if this is you, I want to encourage you to really evaluate it. But notice that God's response, he didn't call uh, Elijah a snowflake for filling his feelings. He didn't, he didn't rebuke Elijah for being honest and vulnerable about what he was really going on. Let me tell you what our heavenly father did for Elijah. He fathered him. Oh, my goodness, family, he fathered his son. And if we don't have a a correct viewpoint about who God is, then we will we will miss these moments. When my son is hurting, my daughter one day can speak and she's hurting. I listen, I I don't I want to know it. I'm not asking them to paint their pain into a picture, a beautiful picture. No, I want to know what they're really going through. Why? Because I'm their daddy. And so, one of the most destructive things I believe as parents we can tell our children is this: stop crying before I give you something to. Mm. Some, <laughs> some, of y- some of y'all, some of y'all know, been heard that a couple of times or two or five or ten thousand. Right and so let me tell you how I believe how dangerous that could be and I'm really most parents like none of us we I mean we probably will never say that intentionally to bring destruction or harm to our children but let me tell you what we are saying to the, our children when we say that when they come to we're saying that your tears are not worth my attention that what you are dealing with is now I don't I don't find it uh, uh, uh worthy of the of the, um, of the emotional distress you are currently in So thus we want to jerk them up to our perspective instead of humbling ourselves into theirs and and, and leading them out of their pain into healing. Uh, I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't tell Elijah, uh, God didn't tell Elijah to suck it up, buttercup. He didn't tell him, what are you talking about? He didn't rebuke him for feeling, but he acknowledged his pain and like a father stepped in to remedy it. He didn't say, where my belt? He didn't say, go get that switch. Some of y'all, oh, I scared myself. I brought back so many memories right and don't stop me right it wasn't not it wasn't none of that thank you Rosetta stone and so and, uh, right and so it was it was none of that what did god do for elijah he fed him elijah went to bed he went to sleep angel lord woke him up with a lunchable, with some bread and some water. He ate it and he drank. Angel Lord, verse 7, Angel Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up. And let me see what he did. He acknowledged, he acknowledged his pain. He said, this journey has been too much for you acknowledged his pain. He got up, he ate and he drank. What was Elijah trying to show? I believe what God was trying to father Elijah to see. I believe he was trying to show him self-care. I believe he was trying to show him the importance of taking care of himself. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap and get something to eat. Glory be to God. Because this was only after this experience was Elijah in his right mind a right emotional state. State, to hear what God was telling him. Right after that is when he heard the still quiet voice of God. And then right after that, when God commissioned him to his next season. But notice, I want you to see. The worst team, you can come help me, please. I want want you to see is that God did not rebuke him for filling. He did not rebuke him for fighting. He did not rebuke him for hurting. God is not a CEO He's a father. And he wants to kiss boo boos. He wants to mend the brokenhearted. He wants you, family. So, like I said, from this, this, there's been such a taboo topic regarding depression and anxiety and deep sadness. And I wrote this book, and I, I wrote it deliberately. I wrote it shorter than all the other books because I understand when you're going through this, sometimes finding the inspiration. To read can be hard, right? Since tasks such as taking a shower can seem like you're like like a, a running a marathon. So I wrote it short. I wrote it easy to read. I wrote it straight to the point, and I wrote it with the cry for people to speak up and to speak out. I don't want people to know to feel like as you are going through this pain. I didn't know it was that bad. I mean, you need to know this, family, that you are worth fighting for. You are. You're worth fighting for, family. I'm gonna, I, 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 I believe this. I believe, firmly believe that the enemy has been trying so hard, trying so hard to rob people of their purpose, to rob people of their destiny. When they look in the mirror, that they see less than what God is. What God says about them. But you're worth writing for. I, I was thinking about this. I said, man, God, how do I explain explain this? Can you stand to your feet if you can? I'm going to ask you to do something kind of silly. Can you take your phone out if you have a phone? And I want you to turn on the video and put the self front-facing camera on yourself. Like you're about to take a selfie. You need to know, family, that you, that you're worth fighting for. Is it on? Can you see yourself? If I would, <laughs> if I would ask you to describe the person in that video, what would you say? What would you say? My bet. Would be that for some of you, the first couple things wouldn't be nice. uh, Given a laundry list of things that you feel like is not right or could be better. But I want to let you know the person you are looking at right now, they're not trash. The person you are looking at right now. You look at, look at you, are you looking, the person you're looking at right now. They are beautifully and they are wonderfully made. The person you are looking at right now is someone who may have been through some mess. Been through some struggle. Been through some storms. But they still have purpose. The person you are looking at right now family has some scars but they have some breath. The person you're looking at right now is loved and valued. want you to turn that video on and I want you to tell yourself I am worth fighting for now tell 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 yourself why come on I know this is weird I know this is kind of goofy but go ahead tell yourself why for real why Why are you having such a hard time with this? Have you been so used to belittling yourself, putting you put, uh, being the doormat of everybody else? Have you been so used to putting everyone else uh, uh, around you first that you don't know how to take care of yourself about self love? Come on, talk to yourself. Why are you worth fighting for? Come on. Why was that so difficult? why this is a question i'm telling you family this is a time of introspection this time of self-examination this is a time this time when you look at yourself what labels have you been placing on yourself that you have no right to do You are a a masterpiece. Do you understand? You are a masterpiece. That means you are a piece of the master. When God molded you in the dirt and he breathed life into your nostril, he said this is good. God's pencil doesn't have an eraser. So what labels have you adopted in your life? Why are you calling something ugly that God called beautiful? Why is it so hard for you to speak life into yourself? You're worth fighting for, so you gotta fight for yourself. And sometimes I know it's hard to muster up the strength. I know it's hard to do because you're not used to that. You're used to you used to putting yourself on the back burner. You're used to acting like the problem isn't there. You're used to faking it till you make it. But no, enough is enough. Enough is enough. It's time to fight for yourself. So what does that look like? Maybe it's time you have vulnerable conversations. Maybe it's time that you see a therapist to talk to you about the crisis and the trauma that you experience, the molestation, the things that are happening to you, the divorce, the pain, the crisis that you have been through. You're not shouting through it. You're not trying to shout over it. God needs to bring you through it. And it's time for a breakthrough in this house, you're worth fighting for. Secondly, I am worth fighting for. I was thinking about the statement. The person besides you need to know as well. If you have any family and friends around you, can you face each other? If you're watching online, do this as well. The person you're looking at right now, they're worth fighting for. They're worth fighting for. Let me tell you why it's I'm so important. The book, of the book of John chapter 5 talks about a man who was laying by the pool of Bethesda. He was invalid for 30 something years. The God went to him and said, do you want to get well? And his response was this, I have no one to take me to the pool. He wasn't saying that there wasn't anyone around him. He was saying there was people around him, but no one was willing to get involved. The person you are facing right now, family, they need to know your eyes they're worth fighting for so tell them why go ahead tell them why can I share one more story I know I'm out of time one more story I was in Bible school at the time and I said prayers same prayers you pray my brother I was praying God I want you to use me this was, man, over a decade. Man, this was a long, long time ago, 15-something. Goodness gracious, long time ago. Now praying, God, I want you to use me. God, I want you to send me to the nations. God, I want you to I want you to help me to to, 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 to change the world. I was praying prayers like that. One day I went to the YMCA. I was playing basketball. Back in the day, I could play basketball for a long time and not even get tired. I don't know what happened now, bro. And, um, but anyways, but I remember I walked out the gym. And I went, I was going home, and I saw this guy I'd never seen before. And the moment I saw him, I took a mental picture, I closed my eyes, and can still see his face. I took a mental picture of him, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Timothy, go tell that person about me, about Jesus, obviously. I would like to stand here and say that I did. But I didn't. I intentionally, intentionally, pastora, I intentionally chose not to do it, and these are my reasons. I was too tired, I was too hungry, and I wanted to go home. Vividly, vividly, vividly remember this moment. Too tired, too hungry, and wanted to go home. One a, one in our mouth, I'm saying, God use me. Other than my mouth, I'm ignoring the moments for me to be used. So a couple of weeks later, we go on or go on a retreat. I take it close to God. a uh, uh, worship a tent of things of nature. And it was a powerful weekend. I was saying the same prayer. God, use me, send to the nations. Help me to save lives, things of nature. And so on the way home, we, we, get, we take the exit to the town. And all of a sudden, we see these ambulances and police officers with lights on all around this bridge. A small town. And we come to find out what happened. That there was a young man who hung himself, committed suicide on the railroad tracks in the town. I remember I was so angry. I was so mad, sister. I, I remember I said these words verbatim. God, if you would have given me a chance to tell the person who committed suicide that there was still hope, I would have said something. Quote unquote. I remember rebuking the devil how dare you take a prayer lie to a generation blah 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 I was going I said all these things and so finally we get invited to the funeral because she, that young boy who killed himself was a nephew of someone who attended our church so I go to the funeral home and I made up my mind I'm going to share the gospel and so right in the outside with there people there's people on the outside smoking cigarettes I share the good news share the gospel and then I go into the building to give my condolences I went in the building to, sh- to hug next, to shake hands, say, I'm sorry for your loss. Then I went to the casket to see who was this young man who thought that suicide was his answer. And my heart sunk. Because he was the exact same person I saw at the YMCA. That God told me to tell that person about Jesus but I ignored because I was too hungry, too tired, and I wanted to go home. I can't tell you the years of guilt the ownership of brought in that moment and said I could have done something. How do I not know that that was his last cry? The Bible says the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me. You me into this is one being taught. What does that mean? Every single day, God wants to speak to us a word that will help and sustain the hurting. Ha, that was his moment, but I ignored it because I was too hungry too tired and I wanted to go home we had the same name his name was Tim he was 16 years old but here's the thing there's a Tim in each and every one of our lives that they're crying out for help in public or weeping in private that they're waiting for a safe place to heal is that place in you So I want to encourage you. Don't overlook the importance of talking and speaking. Don't waste this lunch. Don't waste this dinner. Get rid of your pride and your ego and whatever. And create a place for people to be vulnerable. So none of us are at their funeral saying, I didn't know that bad before I get the microphone back to Pastor
2: thanks for listening if you'd like some more information on NUMA Church visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org if you enjoyed the podcast you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch thanks again and God bless